Greg. Good morning, Robert. How are we? <laughs> yes, um, as always, busy as hell. I don't know where I'm coming or going. Um, so, uh, here we are in Fat Harry. What are we on, 19, something like that? Um, I believe this is 19 and podcast 41 or 42 altogether, I believe. <laughs> that time's flew fast, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, our first one I checked, I think it was yesterday, therefore, was like the tail end of January and I did my moaning one and it's just gone mad and we've just gone past 2,000 listens, Rob. Well, you can't argue with that, can you? No, and the analytics is stupid. There's people in like Pakistan, India and China and everywhere listening to us. It's like, I don't even think it'd understand us because if Jim Chockey struggled to understand us. <laughs> um, well, you'd be surprised. We've got a lot of expats um, all over the place. I, yeah. I do, funny, talk, talking about expats, uh, <clears throat> there's a wonderful article in uh, the summer edition of the Freemasonry Today. It's all about His Royal Highness, the Duke of Edinburgh, who was also... Yes, we've got our own magazine. It's, we've got several magazines, actually, but Freemasonry today being the most famous. <coughs> um, and um, well, the one here in Somerset, which is our, our province one, is called The Square and Compass. Uh, but th this one, Freemasonry today, and there's a lovely article in there all about His Royal Highness, um, who was also a Masonic brother. And he was, you know, he was one of my lifelong heroes that I've always wanted to meet. He was one of the people on the bucket list that... And I never got to do it, and I'm, I'm really... Miffed I didn't get to meet him because oh, he reminds me just like my granddad. He, he reminds me of my granddad. Um, but I was reading some of the, 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 the stories that people have written in, you know, fellow brothers and stuff that had met him in different roles in life, you know, before masonry, after masonry, whatever. And uh, I think they were the Queen, I think it was something like 2015, something like that. And he accompanied the Queen um, on a state visit. I can't remember where it was because I've read so much since then. But whatever it was, and he met this chap, and this chap's um, uh, to do with the uh, Freemasonry abroad, wherever we are, because obviously it's circumference in the entire globe. And uh, he was chatting to the, the, uh, his Royal Highness, and uh, he said, uh, so uh, w w why are you here? He said, well, I said, well, I'm an expat. He said, why? What are you escaping from? He said, the weather. <laughs> You know, and there was another one where was, this chap, he was a schoolboy at the time and he stood on a bridge somewhere and uh, it was like, you know, like a single track bridge, like going over a river, like, you know, like you get on the estates and different things. Yeah. Wherever you, you know, so if, if there's something on the bridge, even someone stood there, the car can't get past or, or whatever, you know. Yeah. And uh, he said there was him and his chum staring into the water or some trout or something. And uh, he said, next thing you know, he heard a horn honk, but he was one of them like, ha ha, horns, you know, like the squeezy yeah. jobs. And uh, he looked, uh, he looked round, and uh, he said, "There's his royal line." He said, "Come on, you boys, move out the way. You're right in the way. I can't get through." And you know, <laughs> and he said, he said he was wonderful, and he, you know, he, they moved out of the way for him, and he, he stopped and gave him a little chat for two minutes, and he said it made their day. You know, he bumped into the. He said, and "They said what a down to earth man he was," um, and these were just two normal schoolboys, you know, probably on a Saturday morning somewhere out for a stroll and. Or whatever, and yeah, no, I thought that was you know some wonderful stories. I was, I was chuckling all the way through, and it was um, reading the different people who'd met him and what he'd said, and his, and it just it was just like listening to someone meeting my granddad. Yeah, I think one of the funniest stories I heard, and I still don't know how true it is, but I presume it would be, was His Royal Highness and a gilly were up in the Highlands, and they've been after this stag for several years, and always never had the opportunity. I, I know the one. This when the Tango Man appeared. Yeah, and just as he's about to squeeze the trigger, this orange blob appears out on the distance, spooks all the deer, and they all bugger off. So they charge over to find out what the hell's going on, and it's this young little spotty teenager doing his Duke Members Award. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless us! That's, you know what wonderful stories. You know, and, and sadly, you know, we're losing. You know, obviously we've lost His Royal Highness, and, I, and you know I'm, a, I'm an avid royalist. But those characters, you know, we're losing characters. I mean, the modern people of today, I, I, I bump into so many that I call nothing more than zombies. I mean, you know, the wheel is turning, but the hamster's dead. Yeah, 
you know, and I see this all the time. It's just, you know. I hate to say it, and I know me and you aren't known for PC in our writing or in person or even on our podcast, but it's like the general public seems to have like this brainwashed effect. And I don't know whether it's like watching all these episodes and series does it to them, like some subliminal thing, or whether it's just we're made of different stuff. I have no idea. I I got a, you know, I don't have a a TV, Um, as my granddad would call it, a goggle box. And apparently that's a program now, the goggle box. I mean, yeah, that you say they're watching people watch TV shows and then they're going on it. Like, really? It's like point of view, but backwards. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, yeah, so you're watching TV of people watching TV. Yeah, Mm. of stuff that's already been on because you've seen it. And I'm like, hmm, okay. (laughs) <laughs> probably funny to a degree but um, and I should imagine some of the more avid TV watchers uh, would probably find some form of entertainment in it um, I, I gave up watching television or blimey I think the last time I actually tuned in to watch a programme was when the last episode of Only Fools Norses was aired live or, or, you know, recorded live and done. Yeah. That was the last time I actually switched on my TV television for myself to watch a live program. And I don't really like modern day TV. I've, I've seen a lot of it, and some of it's mildly entertaining um, to a degree. Um, I suppose escapism. Um, so that's why I did away with everything. Um, I mean, you know, it's what, seven years now, something like that, six, seven years since my Emily used to stay, and I only ever kept the TV just for her so she could watch her cartoons and stuff. Um, and you know when she she never when she didn't come anymore and and uh, well I thought well, what's the point in having that thing and paying for a license because I don't watch a damn thing um, yeah. but what I do have now is a monitor a, a screen monitor which plugs into a DVD player um, and I watch my DVD so I choose what I want to watch when I want to watch it yeah going back to that goggle box I caught a bit last night just I turned the telly off and there's a show called Naked Attraction. Basically, you got it's like blind date, but you're already naked, and you oh, look yeah. down from six to two, who you want to choose on like looks and personality and all this, and then you get to date them afterwards with clothes on. Anyway, there's this oldish couple there, I suppose, like late fifties, early sixties, and I suppose he forgot the bloody cameras there recording him. He said, "That's why I married you, love, because you had nice big boobs." No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that's a character there for you. There's a character. <laughs> he just come out with that. I suppose he clearly forgot he's been recorded. And she's like, "Yeah, I, I think she said, yeah, I did have quite a nice set when I was younger, didn't I?" He said, "Yeah, that's why I married you, you daft old bird." <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. Like... <laughs> you know, that's the point. <laughs> my, my brothers you know like my dad they love their television um, and I think we were talking about that the other night uh, or the other day on a shoot funny that about Naked Attraction and I was like really? Yeah. I said I'm not being funny I said but the human body is pretty ugly I mean you need a pretty nice looking girl to, to, to look at otherwise it, you know it's like you know that's why people normally uh, make love in, with the light off <laughs> you know, and I'm not being funny. You know, as we get older, it looks like you need ironing. Oh, Rob. Well, you know, it does. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I I, I mean, like look in the mirror now and think, thank God, I haven't got to chase women around or any of the rest of it. Because Christ, I wouldn't even fancy me. I look like a pot-bellied pig crossed with a duck nowadays. You want a sash clamp, uh, sash clamp across your shoulders. <laughs> mate honestly I just need to wear one of the, I, I think wearing one, I, I can understand why all them Muslim lot wear bloody burqas or whatever they're oh, called yeah. you know you know them bottle tops with the letterbox in yes yeah them things um, you can I can understand it god blimey so you wouldn't have, uh, have uh, you wouldn't have had the privilege of watching Mr Clarkson farming yet then neither no I was hoping it's going to come out on DVD and I'll buy a DVD honestly I sat there i Knowing Jeremy, and I like his writing, and I like him on like Top Gear and the Grand Tour and stuff, which is his new one. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know what to expect, but he bought the farm back in 2008, and it was already being run by a guy down there in the village, and he employed all the local people. Anyway, so Jeremy bought it last year, which it was going to be um, the autumn of 2019. Was this going to be his first season, Rob? Yeah. Do you remember we had all those floods? Oh, floods? Do I remember them? I mean, in Somerset, don't forget. I nearly ended up yeah. with red. That's when Jeremy tried planting all his crops in the Cotswolds. Oh, blimey. 
He'd have been better off planting them in a boat. Well, at one point, he said, well, I've counted up, we've had six weeks rain and nothing else. <laughs> and that was in September, October, and he's meant to been planting. Cool. But I he dug through it, he'd done lambing. He, um, he welled up a little bit. He had three sheep that had mastitis, so they right. didn't go for breeding there to go the other way. And yeah. he did the paperwork, said, I'll just go and see him and say goodbye. And they'd already gone through the system. He stood there and went, looked at the cameraman and say, bugger off, and welled up a little bit and got in his land rover and buggered off yeah you know the, the thing is is you know i mean you know people make farmers and everything out to be hard people they don't care about the animals well no. actually you'll find you know you'll find that you know people who deal with livestock um care more about those animals even though that they're at the end product is they are going to end up on the table um than 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 anybody you think you know i mean I've, i mean farmers one of the reasons i was late this morning farmers on the phone um, give me a ring. Here, just want some rubbish corn. He said, I got a load of damp going out and some of it's gone rubbish. Do you want it for the ducks? I said, oh, Yeah, all right. Yeah, cheers, farmer. He said, Where do you want it tipped? I'll come and tip it up. I said, How much is there? He said, Two ton. I went, Two ton? <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> what am I going to do with two ton? He said, Well, I've got to hurry up. He said, Because I've got to go back. He said, one of, the, one of the cows is not doing too well. He said, I'm a bit worried about him. And, and I'm like, You know, and he's done. And do you know, he. he he was genuinely worried, and, and the, the end use of this this beef cow is basically end up as steak. But he yeah. was really worried about him, and you know, not and it's not even about the money. It's you know the the, the care and the husbandry that you know British farmers especially, but and and but all over the world they care about their animals. I mean, there are places that they really do treat their animals ghastly, but on the whole, here in Britain, um, you know they. The, the farmers love and care for their animals. I mean, I you know I look out across the farm here. My old school friend next door, when he's when he calls his beef cattle over, and, and they you know and every year he's got new beef cattle and all sorts coming through. He stands out there, and you could see him looking at them with pride that these are my cows. You know, what I mean, yeah. and he's, he's rubbing them on their head and scratching behind their ears and all sorts of stuff. They like that, don't they? Oh Christ, yeah. If <laughs> you want to make a cow look stupid, tickle his ears. <laughs> I know he goes all goggle-eyed and everything else. <laughs> Oh, did you see my post the other day where I, w- I was called back into the... I was trying to get a photo of it. I, I was called back into a, very, a VIP riding arena. Now, this is a place that, um, that has trained many a good horse riding star, uh, whether it's Grand National stuff or whatever. You know, they taught them to ride since childhood and all sorts of different things. That, you know, and there's even, you know, uh, film stars and stuff have been through this place. So it's quite a VIP thing. And I was in one of the little, they got a bit of a rabbit problem. And they've called back in and said, Rob, can you come back and sort it out again? So I said, okay. So I was back in there. And uh, I'm sat there in this little pony paddock because I, I couldn't quite get the right angle where I was. So I thought, right, I'll have to go in with the horses. So I got in with this little white pony. It was The typical typical, typical ones are they're a bit feisty is the little ones. The bigger ones are like real dopey dobbins, usually. It's the little ones that are buggers in them. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sat there on the, on the green patio table chair, my green patio chair, my Primus trigger sticks out, air rifle on, <coughs> ready, waiting for these rabbits to come out on these warrens and pick them off as I go. Now, so first of all, this little white pony wasn't very happy about this. He was stamping his feet and snorting and ears going backwards and forwards and all sorts of stuff and throwing his head around. Well, after about an hour of this, he got bored of that and decided to wonder what the heck I was doing. So he just came wandering up and I'm trying to take shots and I'm trying to get a photo, a selfie photo with him doing it, with me with the rifle pointing at a rabbit with the, the horse over my shoulder trying to look down the scope. <laughs> right? It was funny as hell. And in the end, he just, he more or less, I thought he was going to sit next to me like a dog. He just sort of just sat there all dopey and went, oh, you're boring, you're not as much fun as you looked and you're not that much of an intrusion so he sort of just sort of sat there and sort of dopely looked at me and then next thing I know I get a bloody tongue in my ear yeah horse's tongue's actually quite rough isn't it oh I know <laughs> of course I thought, gonna, I thought he caught me caught the edge of my beard and I tell you he pulled a few hairs out I thought bloody you bugger oi get off <laughs> you know but after, yeah, after yeah. that you know, now the damn thing now the damn thing just follows me around like a dog if I go there he just walks around with me it's good cover actually I train my horses when I used to have them, I used to walk down in between them all, and they used to stay as a small herd base, even though there's only three of them. 
And yeah. basically, I trained my old mare. I could shoot the air rifle off her back. Yep. Off her off Cover. Yeah, I used to I used to do it with my old Polly. We used to go stalking. You know, this is an old Indian trick. I think the Apache and stuff used to use it quite a lot for getting close to deer and things. Um, but yes, yeah, so, you know, I used to do the same with my old Polly. I mean, used to walk in, put the gun across the back of her with her. She stand dead straight still. And I mean, obviously, I wasn't using a shotgun or anything. It was the most I ever used was a Silence two two rim, and she was like, oh, "Is that it? Yeah, yeah, crack on." You know, and the amount of times, you know, um, I mean, even even with deer stalking over the years, I used to take her up to the to where we used to stalk up on the uncle's farm there and tie her up. I'd go off do deer stalking, come back and get her, chuck the deer over her back, and march it march back to the farmyard, walking with the, the horse and the deer on its back on her back. Yeah. She was a daft old horse, Polly. She was lovely. My big one, George, he's, he's like riding armchair. He's, well, he's, he's still about. I'd I still own him, but he's on permanent loan to the hunt now. Um, he's a shire across Clydesdale. And uh, he's a big old boy. He was like riding an armchair, he was, but he was brilliant. It, he's, me and him used to do the logs together, and he loves to work that horse. And he's still the same name. I certainly enjoyed last night's podcast, by the way. Yes. Uh, the, the, oh, yeah, the podcast. That was wonderful. Ch- chatting to... Um, James there that was uh, a big insight so I think we've got some big things coming on there yes yeah um, going back to the farmers I don't think a lot of people realise farmers start off with one cow mm. and build the entire stock of the farm up and it takes years and they know every single animal oh yeah even if you've got 300 milking cows and 400 beef bullocks out in the field you know every single bloody one of them. Well, like I say, farmer who phoned me this morning, he's he's fastly approaching seventy. If that, is he seventy yet? No, I don't think don't think we've had his seventieth yet. No, that's the other farmer. We did his seventieth birthday. No, um, but yeah, no, and like you know, he'll he'll, he'll say to me, say, uh, I'll say something to him. He goes, Oh, see, I got to go down and check on nineteen forty-seven. I went. Well, he said, 1947, he said, she weren't looking too good the other day when I seen her. He's in, in this morning, and he said, I think she's a bit down. Said, what do you mean she's a bit down? He said, oh, I don't know. She said, she just doesn't seem herself. And he knew, you know, I mean, and and, and, and they got, what was it, 220-odd milkers, uh, best part of 500 beef cattle and everything else. And he knows them all. You know, he's like, yeah, 1947, she, he said, she was looking a bit down. I'm going to go and check on her. And he's, he even knows the bloody moods of the damn things. Yeah, <laughs> even on one of my permissions there a couple of years ago, we had the same yearling stock running on the land for oh, three summers, I suppose. They went home winter time there, and I was helping to move them one afternoon, and I said to farmer, I don't like that little bugger over there. He's like a Dexter cross Galway type looking cow, you know, black, yep. small, white band around his belly. And he, I said, he always stands at the back, just staring. All the rest come and say hello. He's always stood there thinking. The farmer said, I don't bloody like him either. He's going to Abattoir next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, obviously, you know, a lot of what I deal with, I mean, I deal with all farm animals, you know, because obviously I'm doing agricultural pest control. So I'm with all sorts of things, you know, like geese, for instance. I mean, one of my clients farms farm at the farm there he's got the geese and um this one particular uh gander he ha- he hates everybody he does he's not prejudiced he doesn't like anyone he doesn't like any of the other animals and he certainly doesn't like them anywhere near his girls <laughs> so, so he gets a bit of the ump on and uh you know i've seen him chase rats around the pens there and all sorts of things so when he came over and decided to have a bit of a barney with me didn't like took a dis- didn't dislike to me well you know, as growing up on a farm all my life, I know how to deal with them buggers. So I grabbed him by his beak and uh, I took him off for a walk. I walked <laughs> him all the way around the pond, all the way around. By the end of it, his legs was dragging behind him. He'd never walked so far. <laughs> so uh, I, I got back towards the pens and I, and I let him go and I went, and he went to his. I said, do you want to go for another walk? And he went and he put his head down. I was like, no, sod that. I ain't going to bother. And you know, he, he comes out now. He comes out, starts hissing, then sees it's me, puts his head down. He walks back in with the girls. Oh, he's all right. He ain't going to touch the girls. <laughs> you know? it's, um, 
was it? Was it? I know what it was. It was one of the farmers. She said uh, the the farmer's daughter. It was she used to keep her ducks and all this thing. And she had uh, what was it? Eight Muscovy ducks. Now you know Muscovy duck. They look a bit like a funny looking goose, girt big and yeah, ug- ugly things. I don't bloody like them. Um, and they got them bloody them, them like spiky pin things, haven't they? On yeah, the, on the wings. Well, these were getting a bit vicious. She couldn't get anywhere near them and everything else. I said, well, just lock them in the. Lock him in the, the shed there. I said, I'll come and deal with him. I'll, I'll create him up. I said, I'll take him down my pond. I said, they can go and live their life happy down the pond. Well, and if they're a bit feisty, well, that don't matter. I'll drink to keep things away. And um, so I went in there and she said, you'll never get in there. And I said, what do you mean I won't get in there? She said, they won't let you create him. I said, you stand out here. I put the crates in the door. I said, just don't open the door no matter what you hear. <laughs> and so, and my mate was with me and he said all you could see outside was there was feathers flying out all this noise the shed shaking and then all of a sudden it went quiet <laughs> and then I walked out with these muscovies all in these crates and uh, there's me I mean I'm, I'm looking like a bit battered and <laughs> feathers all over me and everything else got a great gash up my arm where one of them caught me with his pin up, the, up my forearm um, but I got him in there and uh, you know but I got him down the pond and you know, within a couple of weeks, they were as soft as soft as butter. They were, you know, they come up, meet out my hand and stuff. Yeah. Here, on about gander, you just brought back a memory. When I was younger, a uh, friend of ours had a farm just outside of town. Some mother popped in one afternoon. Yeah. And, of course, to get across the farmyard, you had to get across the gander and half a dozen geese. And, of course, he's there, wings out. Ah, 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 ah. So, mother in her defence... The only thing she had in her shopping bag was, you know, tin foil and cling film comes in the square box. Yep. So she pulls out the brand new roll of tin foil, <coughs> and on the end of the bloody tin foil. <laughs> 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 she bloody backed off and went back down to the pond. <laughs> oh, dear. I, I, I remember one of the village pubs when I was a boy. Um, when I say a boy, um, I was before he actually moved to the village. So I'd have only been about four or five. So my brother would have been two, three, that sort of age. And we went to the, the village pub and the publican there, you know, the, the owner, he used to keep um, chickens and ducks and turkeys, but they used to run roam around the pub garden and, you know, they were all used to the people and they'd come and get, you know, people would give them crisp and all sorts of stuff. Well, the, the back car park, I mean, they never ever went past the, the gate. They wouldn't come out of the gate and, you know, the car park there. And of course I went, got to the pub there with dad and we got the car and everything else my granddad and my brother and of course we went me and my brother went running around like crazy to go and jump on the climbing frame you know you little three four year old you're excited to get to the climbing frame aren't you in the swings yeah. and that and so I went running around the corner and literally ran into a turkey a great big <laughs> gobbler as big as me <laughs> at which point my brother collided into me as I collided into the turkey we both pulled ourselves up this thing made a Noise and chased us back round the corner. Was <laughs> we coming? Never seen a turkey in my life before. Was you know four years old, and this this thing just looked like a bloody great big dinosaur coming at us. All his skin hanging and all that sort of stuff. Because ah, we come running round the car. And this turkey come peddling round behind us. And of course, the old man he just said, "Get on you, Fred. Get on with it and give him a kick on the ass and get out of it. Spare yourself." And this turkey thing then waddled back round the bloody bag. Scared the living daylights out of me as a kid. <laughs> well, years ago, I worked up near Leek in Staffordshire as a chef. I was like fresh out of college and just back from a trip in Germany and stuff. It was, I was more chef to party than comedy, but I was still learning it all, as you say. And yep. the pub had a bit of waste ground at the bottom of the car park and kept three goats. Yep. Oh, you're a country boy, you'll do. You can do the goats every day. Oh, thank you very much. I have never seen anything get tangled. They used to be on, um, like, polished inch chains. They didn't disappear, shall we say. Um, yeah. Used to go out, hammer the spike in, measure roughly how much chain it is per goat, and lunchtime you'd look out, and they'd all three had managed to somehow get back together and tangle themselves around each other. It's like, how the hell did they do that? <laughs> Oh, goats, sheep, oh, they're bloody... Sheep, the only thing that sheep like to do in life, as soon as they're born, they like to either escape or kill themselves. Yeah, a thousand ways to die before breakfast, and it was sheep. <laughs> Something like that, isn't it? Bloody thing. I dislocated my thumb. Uh, we were down on the moor, you know, where I do some wildfowling down on the ball yeah. field, and farmer had rented out the grass keep to one of the shepherds. 
And uh, I went down and the bloody amount of times I pulled sheep out of them rings. I mean, I, I dislocated my thumb trying to pull one out. Do you know they swell up like walking tampacks when they get water on them? Yes. God, blimey. They, t- they didn't take some water. I did. I dislocated my thumb. I had to push my thumb back in. I'll tell you what's worse, though. When you get one on its back and you flip it the right way and it looks at you and tries having a go because you've just r- righted it and saved its life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> damn, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you've got something like a big muley sheep. Christ. <laughs> Talk, talking about goats and stuff. Our Dave, I always remember... He always used to say, no, go a bit careful with the bi- billy goat. He's, he's, he gets a bit free, he likes a bit of, he might headbutt you, but don't hurt him. He's, he's all right. Don't, don't, you know, he's all right. Well, as I always remember, our Dave was down, he had the little lump hammer. He was banging something in by a fence post. I like, think he was banging in some struts just trying to strengthen the fence post up. And his bloody goat came up and banged him straight up the ass and hit his head straight into the post. He turned around and chased his coat across that far. And he was going to, and of course, the goat just thought it was a game. And I'm like, don't hurt him, he didn't mean it. <laughs> you know, bloody goat, I'll bloody kill him, he's going to end up on the barbecue. Here on about small rodents, I've got some news to add to our news article this week. Okay. Um, crofting. You know what crofting is, don't you? Yep. Uh, apparently, there's a hey, lot of crofters fact- in school. Hey, before you go any further, explain it to our listeners because our listeners might not know. Right, down in England and Wales, we have small holders. You have like ten, maybe fifteen acres, a small cottage. It's all tied together, and you run it as basically like a tiny farm. Or in Scotland, they call it crofting, and it's very, very similar. Yep. Anyway, apparently there's a lack of crofters up there, but apparently there's a lack of crofts for them to go on. So I don't quite know how that works, but another one for the Scottish. <laughs> <coughs> well, yeah. Ah, hey, talking about that, here's some news for you. What's right? that? I don't know if you saw the post this week I put on about private property, no entry, you know, blah, blah, yeah, right so to range. Yeah, so you on it and that's that on, didn't you? Tricky. <laughs> yeah, do, do you know what? Do you know, <laughs> That is it's our right to go wherever you want. Uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> no, you can, you've got a right to go anywhere where there's a public footpath. You can't just go... I said, how would you like me to come and sit up in your back garden, have a barbecue and invite me mates round? You know, and all this sort of stuff. Let the dogs run around and crap all over your garden. Yeah, but, and eat your cat. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, right, like I was... That estate, there is not a single public footpath on the entire estate there was no public access whatsoever every gate has got a sign on it saying so every gate is locked apart from the main gate which is where the office is and everything else are which goes into an office yard and the car park and all the rest of it and that's all cctv camera and everything else there's these signs everywhere did you tell me you bumped into granny and granddad let themselves in and have a picnic the afternoon no, no, no! I'll, I'll get to that one. Yeah, no, I'll get, I'll get to that one. No, you weren't dreaming it. I said, but anyway, so um, well, I'm there, and we haven't cut the big valley grounds or the meadow grounds yet, or the hill ground. Um, right. I have no idea what's happening there. They got, we got new contractors in, and I think her ladyship wants. I, thought, I don't know. I'm going to grass. I don't know. I don't know quite. Really, it should have been cut a couple of weeks ago, but. They probably not. looked at your hill ground and thought, "Stuff that." <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it is a bit of a um, bit of a deep valley. Um, but um, so I look, I, you know, we, I'm just about to check zero on the rifle because uh, we've got a bit of a fox problem that has emerged in the last month or so. Um, and uh, I just catch a glimpse of a just a shimmer down across the valley on the farm track that comes up round from the scrap pile ran into the bottom of the estate so I grabbed the binoculars I was like who the hell's that so of course I charged down head them off and uh, you know they were about to go through through the field with the young colts and stallions in oh, and, and they're alright with me but they don't take kindly to strangers and they want to know who's intruding in their field so I can just imagine like you know can you reach that fence in 30 seconds because if not you're gonna, I'm not going to outrun that big stallion no, <laughs> he gets a bit umpy with them big youths of his. Um, but so I said, "Excuse me, can I help you?" He said, "Oh, he said I'm just trying to cut through to so and so." I said, "Not through here, you're not." So this is private property. He said, "Oh, I know, I saw the signs, but I can go where I like." No, you can't. <laughs> not. I said, "My, you're about face and get up that track and get back out of there and tell the people you saw the gamekeeper and he sent you back." I said, "Because you set the alarms off because you've come through the yard." He hadn't set the alarms off, but he had set the cameras off. I said, but you've set the alarms off. 
I said, don't be surprised if you bump into a couple of police officers because you've just come through a private yard and offices because we've had people try to break in and sort of stuff. So we have, and in fact, um, one of the, the camping companies that rent one of the offices there um, put, the, put their tents out and had their tents nicked. So yeah. it's on a bit of high security alert up on that side of the estate, on in the, in the estate office and stuff. So he's like, uh, uh, I said, right. I said, my advice is your bank face and go that way now. Don't come this way. I said, we've got rifles going off. You're lucky you didn't get shot. Not that he would have done because we've got, you know, where we zero. We've got massive great banking and, you know, it's the perfect backstop. Even a bloody Sherman tank couldn't go through it <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but it just I just put the fear of God into him and sent him back on his merry way. Um, like you know, with that sort of thing. But I did have a conversation with him about, you know, you walk right through areas where we've got ground nesting grape arteries, which is part of a conservation thing. So I did educate him as well as send him on his way, you know, because there's no point having a go at people. He's better off educating and everything else. So, yeah. and what he'd done is he'd walked off of, um, walked down off of one uh, public estate that, that's been bought out straight through, crossed over a main road and straight down through the, the estate offices. He said, oh, yeah. I saw the signs, he said, but it doesn't matter, you take no notice of them. Oh, it's, the signs are there for a reason, my friend. I said, you know, and, and it, not being funny, you know, in a worst case scenario, and it, it wouldn't have happened because we only take clear shots and it's where we were zero. And like I say, you could fire a Sherman tank into that bank side and you wouldn't even, that won't even go through it. But, you know, worst case scenario, just say there was a ricochet. Not that there is because it's nice soft bank, but just say that I caught a pebble or something and that ricocheted and that person should never have been there. Yeah. You know, you know I wouldn't have known he was there until we found him rotting out or the dog found him. It could even be something as simple as a thrush's anvil where he's gathered a load of stones to smash his snails on it and caught it. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, these people who just go walking... Where I can walk where I like. I mean, we had it the other week with some guy walking through with bloody dogs, and the, the owner she saw them, and, and she's an elderly lady now. She's getting on. And of course, she chased out after. Excuse me, what are you doing? And they just ignored her and carried on. Well, they yeah. did until they until they bumped into me, <laughs> and um, they soon didn't ignore me. They certainly certainly didn't like my sergeant major voice when their dogs were chasing around the bloody horses. No, and, uh, and they were. Ju- I was just about to drop them. I would have because th- th- those horses, you know, they'd have gone through the fence and everything. There's thousands and thousands of pounds worth of damage. I'd have had to destroy the horse. It was injured, you know, and yes. these bloody. I, mean, I had a Rottweiler, no, not Rottweiler, Doberman Pinscher, chasing through the wood, chasing my deer, and then it came straight up to by one of the kids. I was growling, and his teeth was bared. I just dropped the shotgun. Was about to drop it because I thought he was going to kill. I thought he was going to have one of the kids. And this bloke came out of nowhere. Oh, sorry, you know. I said, "You better keep that dog under control. You were just, you just nearly had to take back the corpse." Because you know, he, he, this this thing was about to attack one of the kids, and he, it was completely private. They shouldn't have been. Do you know what? They climbed over a six foot wall to get into. And the I suppose they lumped the dog, dog over the top as well. Yeah, lumped the dog over the top, and then the next thing you know, he's got scent of a deer and chased the deer up through the woods. But he's had to get over a six foot wall right next to a sign that says private property, do not enter shooting in progress. Yeah. You know, it's just, oh, blimey, just like, you know. But I mean, going back to the old couple, for instance, they drove, you know, the top, you know, the top, you know, the top track that, um, that goes into the top cottage. Yeah. um, Wherever I normally take you when I, when I unlock the gates and. Yeah, by Copsfield. Yeah, that's right. By Copsfield. Um, the gate on the left has got a chain over it, but it's not locked because all that field is is a barley field. It's, bar- it's barley, then then maize, barley, then maize. You know, so it's just a crop field. Um, another funny story there. I tell you about with the with the with the barley field. Uh, but um, so this year is maize. Anyway, so the lady in the cottage phones me. And she said, "There's somebody in your maize field. They've opened your gate up." He said, "She said they've set up a table and chairs and sat there having a picnic." <laughs> bear in mind there's a big sign on the gate that says private property no access shooting in progress at all times please contact the gamekeeper dear manager which is me on telephone number blah 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 email blah 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 <clears throat> so anyway what he said yeah and of course now we just had we just filled in a load of the um, farmer just brought up uh, on the JCB bucket, a big bucket of scalpings and stone dust. 
and we filled the tracking going down to the cottage because the tractor's going in and out, torn up a lot of potholes and stuff. So, yeah, we sorted that out for the for the tenants in the cottage. Um, and they dumped, they tipped it out next to the gate, what was left, and it looked like a grave. <laughs> right? So, big, big George, being the daft dumb fool he is, like everything, he made up a makeshift cross and stuck a cross in it. <laughs> right now this old couple has opened the gate that says shoot private property everything else reversed in the gate just inside the gate and set up about having a picnic oh what's a lovely view here isn't it blah 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 <sighs> right next to my maze <laughs> and so <laughs> so <clears throat> i said to julie i said well go and ask them to to vacate the premises you know politely as you can you know because you know people that but why they open the gate in the first place which is quite clearly got a chain over it shut and says private but there we go anyway so Judy goes out and says look you know this is private property you shouldn't be here this is a private drive you've driven down sort of 200 metres down a private drive you know to to go into her cottage and then obviously you've got two entrances to the fields and um, she said oh well we didn't realise and like well she said well can't you read the sign on the gate oh I didn't see it I mean, I'm not being funny. It's like 18 inches by 18 inches, bright red and white. How the hell you? If you can't see that, you need to learn how to drive as well, because I'd be worried about you can't see anything on the road. But there we oh, go. Dear. So they're sat there eating their their cucumber sandwiches and having their flask of tea and everything else. And Judy, and um, then the old lady says, "I did notice the grave. Um, is it who who died? Is it something you know, farming or is it a farmer or something?" And blah blah blah. And of course, the <laughs> the, the, lady, the lady from the cottage says, "No, she said that was one of the poachers they caught." <laughs> trespassing <laughs> so I, I said you did she said I did she said what happened then she said well they stayed packed up and left <laughs> it, was just, it was just a pile of scalpits <laughs> of course, George had stuck across it so it does look like a grave <laughs> so yeah I'm like oh god so there's some funny ones I mean you know, for a couple of months ago, um, the lady in the cottage and Mags, my secretary, had gone. She, she'd come out of the cottage to come and say hello to Mags, and, and Mags was up there walking Tilly. And I was already down in the woods. We just had to do a little, we had some uh, tree work people in to do some some forestry work for us. And um, I hadn't got up to the top gate by this point. Again, down this, it's a, it's a, it says on the end of the drive, private drive, no public right away, no through road, anything like that. It's a track down to a cottage. Uh, it says on the this guy on a motorbike's come down. Right, Mags has come walking up. He's only stood in my field with the big gate open. It says, you know, going into the cops field. Stood there having a pee right in front of the two ladies. <laughs> you know, and he went a young what a young bloke. He was, I don't know, in his late thirties, Mags said. Um, and uh yeah, then goes about, gets his drone out and starts flying it. Oh dear. Well, that wouldn't have gone down too well. Of course, Mag sort of said, you know, excuse me, what are you doing here? And they said, oh, I just stopped for a pee and to fly me drone. She says, not here, you don't. She said, this is private property. You, you know, this is, you know, we have, we've got a lot of, it was a big conservation effort there. And I, and I, the only reason we've got the wildlife we've got is because I look after it properly. It's done completely right. And one, we don't want people with dogs and everything else flying around disturbing it. Um... And uh, she said, oh, she said, my boss is on his way up. And she said, you won't make his response when my boss gets here. So I would jump on your motorbike and bugger off if I was you. <laughs> so and I got there and I, she said, oh, well, we just had a bit of a, a running with a chap on a motorbike. I said, where? You know, blah, 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 flying drones around my bloody fields. Um, and, uh, you know, it comes down to the old adage. If someone asks you, you can either say yes or no. But if they ask you, you can say, "Well, okay, we'll stay over in that corner. Don't go anywhere out of that area." You know, you you so, you know, if someone asks you, more times than not, you can be accommodating. Yeah. You know, like the, like the, the old couple having the having the having the, the, the picnic. I'd have said, you know, not a problem. But you know, you see a sign saying, "Don't you know, you're okay. Don't go any further than the gate where you are, and you'd be fine." But ask. It's when people don't ask and they just march through and they have no idea what the bloody hell do. And this is another thing I find with with modern day people, they are very impolite. Yes. You know, and I see this on the road. I mean, you know, you, you acknowledge people, you wave, thank you, hello, give people lights, you know, you go first, they're courtesy. They don't even say thank you. No, we've got it here. Um, we've got a road that's basically like um, stop starts for oncoming and going away traffic or way across it. 
Um, yeah. If they don't thank me for stopping, bear in mind it's a whole row of stops. I think there's about seven in a row, and every like under 50 yards you have to stop, let the traffic through. I get the old um, country boy with arm out the window waving and beeping at them just to make them feel stupid. But manners cost absolutely nothing, especially when you're driving. Yep, as my granddad always taught me, manners cost nothing but but, but pay a great dividend. Politeness costs nothing but pays a great dividend. That was it. Yes. Oh, on about um, relieving yourself by hedges. As you know, I've worked as a chef for years and years, and occasionally you're like rural locations, early to work type thing. Oh, I think I need to pop behind the hedge. Um, one morning I'm going out towards Lansom Way. You know what the roads are like out there? Yeah. And oh, oh dear, my stomach says, I think you better um, grab the toilet roll and find a quick hedge. So I saw like a, it was a double gateway but with like a bit of a lay-by in the middle of it. Yep. So, oh, here looks all right. I says to myself, bit foggy this morning, that should be all right. Jump the gate, casually find a bit of rough ground inside the field. And I'm sat there just finishing and then the fog rolls out and 150 yards away is a farmhouse looking straight at me, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I finish politely and disappear. <laughs> yeah, but it is a bit sharpish. I always remember it was the CLA Game Fair 2009 and uh, we'd just been to the Hunt Ball. The, hunt, the after hunt party, not the Hunt Ball, yeah. that, the Hunt Party after the show, you know, the show party. You know, and, uh, well, a bit of a funny story about his lordship there and um my son dirty dancing what wasn't his daughter thankfully that was actually chris green's daughter james was dirty dancing uh uh the, the his lordship's daughter he's like don't you think it's the time we took the children home i said yeah quite, quite agree and, I, look around, I, said, well, I said he's not mine sir that's someone else's <laughs> but no i remember we, we came out of there and you know you know what it's like after a few pints you know, you're walking yeah. back and it's like the four of us, it was like, there was this great big horse lorry thing. And it's like, and it's parked next, it was parked next to wood. And we were like, oh God, there we go. So we come staggering. Yeah, let's whip behind here for a quick week. So there's four of us stood next to this horse lorry, you know, left hand against it like you would against the wall, trying to hold yourself up and have a pee. All right, so we're all mid-flow, at which point the horse lorry drives away. <laughs> Right? There's all four of us stood there, like the star is born with our arms in the air, and about 150 people from the party stood in front of us, looking at us all up away. So yeah, I always remember that one. It was like uh, you couldn't stop because we we're mid-flow, and Chris, our hands, i don't know why we kept our hands in the air. It was like, <laughs> like yeah, hallelujah, you know, and, and this, this, this horse lorry just pulled away, and we're just like. Hang on, this thing's moving, isn't it? <laughs> and it, it was just—it was just like the curtains had opened on the stage, and everybody's like, and then we're about to break into night fever or whatever. It's like you know, like ah. full Monty, full Monty, <laughs> and I'm like, oh god. And then, oh, that was funny. And that was, you know, then we sort of, you know, um, bang tools, as it were, and and uh, <laughs> made an exit sharp left. And as we're walking back at the track towards the car, the, the where all the camping area and that was where we were staying for the show. Uh, next thing I know, about twenty. Hunt staff um, from the from there all ran past us, guys, stark naked, nothing but wearing nothing but a pair of boots and socks, and that was it. <laughs> <coughs> and the last time I saw them was um, when they were halfway up up the flagpole of the shooting times, flagpoles stark naked, and I was like, mm, that's not going to end well. No. <laughs> you know, you come down a little bit quick, and you're gripping on with your legs and things. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then flagpole's gonna be a bit sticky. So uh yeah, I can ju- I can just imagine the, the, the male waxing session. Ooh. Mm, yeah, so I was like, yeah, that's not gonna be clever, is it? No. I started staggering on back to bed and I got back in the morning and someone had nicked the shooting times flags. <laughs> the poles. And I was like, huh. so I sort of kindly said to the editor at the time, I said, well, perhaps if you go down to there and check down there, you might find them down there because there was uh, a couple of naked blokes off them last night when I walked past. <laughs> <laughs> and you so, know what they say? It's like Vegas, and it what happens at the game fair? Stays at the game fair. I do. There's many things I can't. <laughs> I can't tell you. Uh, it may well end up in my memoirs um, when I'm much older. And. Uh, and looking at things, but there's some uh, 
there's some stories I can tell you so for some very top names within the field sports industry <laughs> that have, um, when under the inebriation of far too much champagne and things that uh, the funny things they've done yeah we know one or two don't we Robert yes we do <laughs> but you know look, you know I'm typical rough old country I don't I did my stupid stuff when I was a kid you know what I mean and and sort of stuff. so so nowadays I don't you know I, I have a few beers and you know I just like oh, I'm quite happy to stagger on it but it just seems to be some of the um, more well-to-do people seem to be very much well-to-do during the day but give them a few glasses of champagne or something they turn into uh, silly boys and girls yes <laughs> so you know I, I, I have great great pleasure in reminding them when they're sober Oh yes, on about farming, um, this is a sort of sad but happy story. Um, a farmer, Jamie Alcock, is driving Million Willem, which are his two child horses, from his farm in Gloucestershire to Elgin in Morayshire to raise funds for a charity that helps support his brother. Now what happened was his brother was a policeman and I presume had some form of accident, car accident or whatever, and was in a coma for 14 years and sadly passed away in 2017. So his brother is doing this charity, basically Orson Cartwright, to raise funds. So if you have a look on um, social media, you'll come across him. He's called Jamie Alcock and uh, he's helped raising funds for the Police Benevolent Fund and everything else, people. Oh, there you go. That's a, that's a worthy cause. Um, I mean, if you look on any of the Freemasonry um, website, Yougal or anything else, we've got um, all sorts going on within Freemasonry, raising so much money for charity and different things. I've just noticed the um, big shout out to Neil Herkham, though I've had a message this morning, and um, he's doing a zip line, death defying thing, dressed up as a lady, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, to raise money for um, all sorts of charities and everything. So, you know, th there's lots of good things out there happening to help, help people. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, I head up the Masonic Fishing Charity for Somerset for a, char yeah. um, a nationally recognised charity, and it's all for uh, disabled children, uh, children with special needs, all that sort of stuff. Soldiers with PTSD, ladies with breast cancer, anybody with special needs, we put on fishing days for them. We do all the food, we do everything, and it doesn't cost them a penny. We, we've done um, quite a lot of stuff. So if anybody wants to jump in and help the Masonic Fishing Charity, that's uh, M, M Masonic, yeah, MTSFC or something.co.uk. I'm bloody useless at remembering websites. But just look, the, <laughs> look, for the, look for the Masonic Fishing Charity, and if anybody wants to help donate or even volunteer, we're looking for helpers and stuff. So, And it's a great cause. Um, so there oh, we go. So, now, today is a very special day for, for me. Not your birthday? Not mine. Not mine. Now, this day, 26 years ago, it was Father's Day. Right. And uh, I had the most wonderful um, present anyone could ever have on a Father's Day. I delivered my daughter, Shannon. Blimey, that long ago? Yeah, well, you know, Ryan's 28, so, yeah. Oh, blimey. <laughs> Jason's, what's he now, 33, Jason, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, but, you know, Shannon, 26 years ago today, a uh, big, massive shout-out, happy birthday, Shanny Poo, um, or Shanny Onion, as I used to call her, because her name's <laughs> Shanny, Shanny Onion, <laughs> uh, my little Shanny Poo. Um, yeah, 26 years ago today. And you know what? She was 53 centimetres long, 35 centimetres round the head, £8.6 born, and born in room eight in Southmead Hospital. How about that for a memory? I remember all the kids' weights, measurements, dates, times, and now she would be. Uh, she'd be about three and a half hours old by now, so at 26 years ago. Blind me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know, and I, and I delivered her. The funniest thing was, it's a funny old story, really. Um, the rug, was it the rugby was on? No, something was on. But, you know, got there and uh, the, the midwife, she was right into whatever sports match was on. I can't remember what it was. And she came in and she said to the wife, uh, oh, she checked her over and she said, oh, you've got a farewell to go. Yeah, you'll be a few hours yet. 
uh, blah 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 and she's in the voice saying you sure this feels like he's coming now and you know and as she'd already carved down a couple of times she already knew what she was talking about but the big boy says, no 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 you're going to be you know a few hours yet blah 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 okay so the midwife shot off out and I so he said the paperwork but I think she was just watching a tennis match or something I don't know um, and uh, at which point the missus said it's coming it's coming now and I looked down and there's the head starting to appear and, well, <laughs> and once he's being posted and delivered well that's it she ain't stopping and uh, no two seconds what you lost Um, I reckon there's somebody at the door there, listeners. Is that your delivery from Ann Summers, Greg? Oh, there. Sorry about that. Special delivery from Countryman's Diary. Is <laughs> it your delivery from Ann Summers? No. Like, remind me to finish off. But it's not from Ann Summers. <laughs> I was right then. Oh, love, lovehoney.com then. No, um, I had a <coughs> sent to me from uh, N8 Vision. Ah, there we go. And he tried a new design and um, had issues with the um, rubber grips. So he's just sent me a different one with the original rubber grips on. So, right. Shout out to N8 Vision and Lee. Thank you very much. The saddle's turned up today. There you go. Right. So back to my Shannon. So Shannon delivered 26 years ago today by yours truly. So. Eight and a half pound, 53 centimetres long, 35 centimetres round the head, born in room eight in Southmead Hospital. Midwife goes out. Obviously, there we are. All of a sudden, head starts to appear. No time to do anything. She's on her way. And, you know, you've seen that advert where the baby's born and flies through life through the sky until it's old? Yes. Well, it's a bit like Shannon coming out. Now, it was a good job I'm a rugby player. Because I'm a good <laughs> otherwise, you know, she, I'd have had to pull it down by the draw, the bambilica cord, and caught it off the ceiling, right? Straight into my arms, fired straight out, of, straight out of the rock. She come firing straight into my arms, and uh, and there she was, and she's uh, she's held my heartstrings ever since. Oh, <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing that memorizes me of that day, and the only way I can describe this is a pair of scissors, and it's the most bluntest pair of scissors I've ever found in me, I've ever used in my life. The midwife came, we managed to get the button pulled, but I'd already delivered the baby by this point. We managed to get the button pulled, the midwife comes running in, and, uh, oh, blimey, I said, she said, that was quick. I went, well, I've done the hard bit. Uh, what do you want me to do? Of course, the wife's just led there, you know, just, you know, like nothing's happened, you know, she's made it look easy. I don't know what she was whinging about. She had a nice, comfortable bed to sit on. Um, <laughs> there I am with baby in arms, trying to wrap it in, in the cloth and everything else, and the towel and things. Uh, and, uh, Obviously, you know, the obs need to be done and checked over and all this sort of stuff. But she gave me said, well, you better cut the cord. Now, the only way I could describe this pair of scissors is I said, if you take your, f- your forefinger and make a, like a fist with it and take your yeah. other forefinger and wrap it around it, that's what the scissors looked like. It had like a big lumpy bit and, a, and then a round sort of blady bit that went on it. And I tell you what, it was the bluntest pair of scissors you could ever bloody use. They were used, more crushed it than it did cut it. But obviously I understand now why you cut the cord with the blunt scissors so it heals and all drops off and all that sort of stuff. Um, But I said, said, my exact words was, I said, I've got my hunting knife in my pocket. I said, that'll do a quicker job. (laughs) You know? And, uh, you know, this is back in the days when you could carry your hunting knife without being in too much trouble or anything else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So there we are. Twenty-six years ago today, my little shiny poo, my shiny onion. So happy birthday to her. Uh, and you know what? She's made me so proud. She put herself through university and taught herself how to drive and everything else and all sorts of stuff. But she's now a fully qualified nurse in a renal renal unit, and she does such a wonderful job. Yes. You know, and the nurse. You know, and nurses, especially nurses are un- unsung heroes because they get to do the real crap work half the time as well as the good stuff but they get the, you know as doctors they get paid well and they do do a fantastic job but the nurses are the ones that, are, that, that pick up all the crap really basically um, so they're angels that walk among us they are big up the NHS staff absolutely you know that's why people come from all over the world to come and try and use our services because we got the best in the world I believe we have 
you know so well, there we go so big shout out to my, my oldest daughter, daughter Shannon happy birthday darling have a good day um, but there we go so uh, what else have we got in the weekly news because uh, we're coming up to the hour mark and we're trying to trying to lessen the, the podcast down a little bit aren't we so um, we're all up to date I had a good scare this morning and by those two articles that's all the news news there is bar like people out footpathing and stuff like that yeah yeah all the usual oh, stuff and one thing I will say um, I've seen several posts and even had a friend of mine uh, recently fledged birds yep if you find a tutti bird unless it's in immediate danger leave it where it is because nine times out of ten <coughs> parents are there feeding it yeah, the same with deer. We've had the same with deer in the last week. Um, people finding fawns in grass and different things. Leave it alone. The mother's not far away. No, I'm surprised you didn't find any yesterday streaming. Uh, do you know, I didn't find any fawns, but we did have a robot run out and nearly nearly run over me. That was funny. <laughs> Is um, that when they great. get up, spin around, and suddenly realise they want to go back where they just come from? Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> that was quite quite funny. No, but I'll tell you what, um, I've, I've got a slight bit of news. Now, you remember George? My big matriarch robot, and we lost him a couple. Oh, I thought of years. you meant George, George, Catering George. No, no, not Catering George. George, George the deer, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, his his son that was taking over from him. Well, suddenly we last lost George. You know, uh, cut me. I found him dead under one of the um, the yew trees. Um, he died of old age. Uh, I should have took him out, but I'd sentimental value really. But um, his son unfortunately got hit. Um, after the rut and everything else last last year by one of the cars on the main road um, dopey thing chased out another roebuck across the road and another car hit him um, so I had to put him down which was quite sad because he was almost identical to George you know he was yeah. he was turning into a big old boy um, and he was he was he really was and uh, yesterday I've been watching this young roebuck since last year now I know he is George's grandson I know he is son of Fred um, and I've been watching him and I've been watching him and watching him and I'm thinking that buck is going to grow into something nice so he wasn't one of the ones we took out one of the yearling prickets or anything else I kept him and I saw him yesterday for the first time in his full summer coat and by golly he's beautiful he got a hell of a rump on him he, he, he just like he reminds me of his granddad all them years ago when I first had to separate two like we kept George and uh, he's got a beautiful head coming on him asymmetrical and oh, I, yeah. I, reckon, I reckon he's going to go grow as good as his granddad but if he gets three quarters of the way there he'll be doing well oh I know but you know he's, he's he had a, he's got a beautiful head on him beautiful beautiful set of little antlers on him and um, little tusking in, and they are literally perfectly asymmetrical I mean he's he, he's a six pointer now but I think he's going to make more Funnily enough, you saying that, I saw one the other day and he was an eight-point roebuck. Yep. And boy, they look nice with the eight-point Tom. Oh, they do. When they get to that beautiful big stage and uh, like I say, so I've, uh, I'm going to introduce Reg. His name is Reg. We've nicknamed him Reg. Reginald the Roebuck. Right, yeah. Uh, so uh, hopefully you'll get to see... Uh, bit of writing and different things about Reg oh, actually I took a picture of him a few weeks ago um, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you remember seeing it yes I did he stood up in the grass shot you, yeah 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 you know I was only 20-25 metres away um, again you know all my deer don't really take a lot of notice of me you know they they, they see me you know I'm not wrong hello Nobody takes any notice of you. That's all right. I don't mind that. I take that. When I want, when I want an expert opinion, I ask myself. Um, so, but yeah, no. Um, the yeah, he was he's there, and he, you know. So I've been watching him for a good year or so now. But you know, he's, he's and he's come on beautiful. He really has. I mean, and he's. I tell you where he's he's taken up home as he's is his own residence, and he has done since he was a little young pricket. Um, was you know um, the drive with the cottage yeah um, and it goes into cops ground he's taken yeah. up residence in the three acre wood um, and he's taken that as his that's his home um, and that's where he nine times out of ten you'll find him hanging around oh I do 
I said, oh, I can sort of, I go in there and by the time, because some of the pheasant feeders are in there and different stuff, so when I'm feeding, quite often he'll, he won't be far away to come and see what I'm putting down. You know, and if he wants to help himself to some of the grain, then you crack on, boy. I'll chuck some on the grain for you. Sounds good. Yeah, so that's it. So, uh, well, we're nearly on there. So going back to the Ann Summers bit, um, <laughs> shall I shall I tell you a story of um, the ex-wife? Uh, is it terrible? Of course. She. I remember when she first went to Ann Summers in Bristol and she went in and she she wanted to buy something for ladies pleasure mm-hmm. you know something that takes batteries yeah and this is back in the day you know we're talking 30 odd years ago now and uh so she, she walked up to the counter she couldn't find what she wanted and uh she said to the shop assistant she said oh i'm after so and so so and so we haven't got that she said what about that one back there she said i like that one with the white lid the white top to it because i quite like waiting she said and i quite like because i like scotland i quite like the the tartan you know cover on it he said they said oh, sorry madam but that's not for sale she said i'm not worried i'll pay for it she said i want she said, that's not for sale that's my thermos flask madam <laughs> oh man <laughs> i kept it clean <laughs> i kept it clean didn't i Yes. And it was topical because I spoke about Ann Summers. Yes. Anyway, you go back with your love, honey.com, and I'm going to go and do some work. Yeah, you carry on, my darling. Green <laughs> wee lover. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pound of clotted cream and a big hug. <laughs> oh, anything. I see. That monitor, a bit of butter. That'll be on. You'll be all right. Put a bit of butter on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, on that note, it's goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs> Catch you later. Catch you later, dude. Cheers. Bye.